This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks. I'm Tal. I'm your host, and I'm the founder of Den Meditation. Today, we have John Wineland here. He is a speaker, relationship coach, and teacher who guides men and women in the practices of spiritual and sexual intimacy, sexual polarity, and gender essence. He's known for his groundbreaking work with men, but honestly, he has incredible insight to both how men and women can achieve sexual intimacy, and we talk all about it. He believes we all crave it in the deepest forms, which I agree with. However, so few of us were taught how to create it and sustain it. So we talk about how you can create it, but how you can and should hold space for your partner in order to deepen a relationship, and how we can tune into what our gender essence is to help guide us. Also, how we need to look at our own shit and meet it with love. And as a partner, you also need to show up for your partner's shit as well, as hard as that might be. This conversation is illuminating. And if you're in a relationship, it will help you realize things you can do to deepen it. And if you're not, it's going to help you gain tools to understand what it is that you need and what you want. Also, if you like what you hear, we're having him at the Den on February 23rd for our next Den Talks Live. He is part of an incredible panel about sex and relationships. That's going to be so much fun. So you can get two doses of him, and he is incredible. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're, you know, let's just roll right into it. I'm here with John Wyland, and I'm so excited. And what we were just talking about was the fact that we have an event with him this weekend that we had to add an extra night because people were so obsessed. It was like sold out so fast. And then the people who can get in, we were getting emails and calls, and I was just asking him if it was uncomfortable for him, which yeah. you gave the most humble answer, which is so sweet. You're like, yeah, I mean, it's nice, but right, right. slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I think that it speaks to how hungry people are for information. You know, they want a technology that's going to help them deepen in love and deepen in capacity to relate. And I think that they're just, you know, thirsty for that. Also, this is, it's information. I love that you said that. That's in some <coughs> ways still slightly taboo. It's not the easiest conversations like relationships, sex, intimacy, like your role in all of it. Mm. I feel like are still, taboo is probably not the right word, but uncomfortable for a lot of people is probably yeah. the better way in yeah, for yeah. it. So I feel like... One thing I noticed about you right away, like even when, you know, we were so excited to have you work with us, I'm like, oh, he's just not creepy at all. Like, I know that sounds so dumb, but it is so true. It's like, I feel like sometimes there's this idea that people who work in this space can be right. creepy. And I know that for a fact that it's not true. You're at, not at all. And my friend Emily from Sex with Emily is mm -hmm. like the most normal, incredible human being. So love Emily. Love Emily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best. But do you feel like that was something you had to counter a little bit, like in the space in the beginning of like, no, trust me, like I can, I'm actually. Yeah, you know, I I, ne I didn't really think about it, but you know, I, I am kind of a regular dude. You are. Yeah, who just like you know fell in love with these teachings and have made you know a life out of it. So, no, I didn't even think about it. But yeah, of course, there's a lot of, especially in the tantric world, you know, there's a lot of you know trouble in that area and I think there's a lot of shadow in that area yep. to be honest with you Interesting. And, and one of the things that I've been committed to is to really work through sh shadow in if you're going to teach this stuff you really have to be clean 
You well, know, you really have to be clean. Talk and about what that means for you. Well, for me, I can just speak for me because yeah. everybody's got their own history. But, you know, I had to work with my teachers and um, a men's group that I've been part of for nine years. Right, a group of men I've been part of for nine years on very, you know, really getting into my sexual shit. You know, my history, my taboo, um, my shadow um, and, and owning it because we all have them. And I think the difference between teachers that are credible and teachers that aren't is that teachers who are credible actually own their shadow. And then that way, when they step on stage, you know what I mean? There's no, there's nothing kind of in the background that feels creepy. Creepy, <laughs> creepy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so the, the teachers you see that are running into problems, they probably haven't done the deep inner work and spent the time to really get into the muck of their sexual issues or their history or their um vampiric shadows or you know i mean that's i mean that we all have those things and 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 part of what i teach is 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 to own those things and then give them as a gift versus excuse me versus denying them and then having them kind of you know, run the show and the back, act act as sort of a background program. Yeah, the quiet boss. Yeah, we all we all Ugh. know people like that who are, you know, who are teachers but have this kind of sucky. Yeah, you know, what I mean, I'm just using the vampire shadow because that's a very. It's great because I'm watching one. a lot of Vampirina now with my daughter, so it couldn't be. <laughs> Vampirina, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's you don't yeah. need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another uh, kids show, but how about um, on that note, like. I always find, like, and we talk a lot about this on this show, that we all have to own our shit, period. And no matter what area, sexual mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. because if you don't own it and accept it and kind of learn to love it and just know it's part of you, that's mm-hmm. when you just shame yourself and are angry all the time mm-hmm. and honestly deflect and take shit out on everybody. Yeah. Do you feel like one of the last places to own is in the sexual side, yeah. or do you feel like that's the one that gets uncovered last? I think it's I think it's harder for people to look at because it's, such, it's so, so um, near the core of who we are. Oh, interesting. You know, it's really our sexual shame and our relationship um, fears. You know, those are those are areas that our survival is it are tied to our survival. So when we were kids, and we're getting sexualized in whatever form, right? Um, it's it's tied to self esteem. It's tied to value. It's actually tied to life and death experience sometimes. So if we, for for instance, in a taboo. The way that taboos develop in people is people are shamed. Specifically, a good example is imagine um, getting spanked, right? So a, a, a girl gets spanked by her father, bare bottom, and it's part of being a bad girl, and then she's sent away to her room or, you know, or something like that. Well, oftentimes that will actually become part of her sexualization. Hmm. And it's a, and it's one of those things that it's tied to all kinds of deep issues of love and rejection and abandonment and shame and and yet it's one of those issues that kind of has to be un, untwirled as we get older and owned and that's a really good example of what I see. So then, how do people decipher like on that note with like getting spanked? Someone who's just <coughs> like, no, I just really like it, and that's what turns me on, right. versus. No, let's go deeper than that. That's actually probably not what turns you on. It's probably blocking you from something more. Like, well, how do you know? It probably does turn them on, but right. the reason it does is because early on in their lives, you know, they, this is kind of oftentimes what happened. And then there are deeper, 
you know, they're deeper cuts. There's always, we can, this is the thing about sexual yoga is that like, like, like regular yoga, the kriyas are endless. You know, there's never an end to down dog. Right. You know, so there's never really an end to how deep we can go sexually. So in that regard, like, let's just stick on the same example. So I was spanked. Mm -hmm. I am turned on by being spanked. Well, let's go deeper. Mm -hmm. How much do you think that's still, kind of like, for instance, when people come in, we've talked about this on the show too, and people are like, I don't want to lose my personality by meditating. How much of like going deeper is changing what you might Mm. like? Like when you get, go through the whole process and Mm. really start digging deep, what parts of your likes and dislikes change or Mm. evolve? Does that question make any sense? Yeah, no, it's a good it's a good question. I mean, I think you know because a lot of what I've trained in and a lot of what I've worked with is how to honor our darker sexuality in a container of love. Right. Which so most most of us, most, yeah, most of us actually have this kind of like tight, you know, shameful, hidden closet kind of thing around around our our darker sexual desires and the idea is how do you and one of the things that my teachers had you know trained me in is to how to own like my darker sexuality but you know from a place of complete openness from a place of you know connection to the infinite from a place of and how do you do that love well it's a yoga it's a yoga you know you have to practice breathing you have to practice um opening you have to practice placing your awareness on the infinite so I can, you know, look into your eyes and I can connect with you and I can just be with you and I, but I can do that and then also feel the cosmos at the same time, right? That deepens the experience, right? And well, That's a huge thing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, so you just take that and you apply it to sex. I mean, let's talk, and then going to like what your quote unquote darker place for whoever right. it is, right. how, I mean, do you feel like you unwrap a lot of just shame around it. I feel like for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. it's just they're not comfortable. Either A, they're afraid to admit it. They're Uh not even sure maybe it's something that turns them on or is part of what they actually want. And then if they even get to that point of like, actually, maybe, then they're terrified to even share it with their partner. Right. Well, the process is something like this. Like if we use the spanking example. I like that that's where we started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If spankings, let's say, um, or... Uh, shameful, you know, uh, let's use another example. Let's say somebody, you know, a boy gets caught with a porn magazine or something like that and then is shamed for that, right? So now his desire to be a voyeur, right? That's really what it is. Yeah. It's like he's he's practicing being a voyeur as a 10-year-old or 8-year-old or whatever, is shamed. So working through that would be have him actually watch something, watch either another couple, but it doesn't even have to be having sex. It could just be watching sexual energy, but have that, have him be met with love, right? So his voyeur now, he's open, he's breathing, he's in a sort of yogic container, and he's practicing the thing that he was shamed for his whole life, probably, but he's being loved. How much of what you do... That rewires... that. Let me just finish this because yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's please. important. That rewires his nervous system and his relationship to who he is. So to answer your question is people become more available. And the same with spanking. If a woman's... Sh- you know, th- if a girl is spanked, or a boy, can be either one, is spanked for being bad, um, chances are there wasn't a lot of... The, 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 there wasn't a lot of love Around in that it. spanking, right? So if spanking can be brought back with 
like love and sexual energy and approval and just a really beautiful container for that, it literally changes your nervous system. I think it rewires your DNA in some you know, if you want to get really deep with it, I think it changes everything. No, I mean, it really is. Like you're <coughs> saying, it really is a yoga. It probably changes, like you said, your nervous system, all the secretions, mm-hmm. all the synapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's it is amazing. It is how you can take everything we learn, and we talk about the show all the time, and apply it specifically to sexual energy and mm-hmm. desire and relationship. How much do you find, what keeps popping in my head when you're talking you deal mostly with people who are trying to go deeper within themselves and uncover and have better relationships and more intimate relationships and be more comfortable, mm-hmm, correct? Mm-hmm. So much of what you're saying, though, I'm like, do you do any classes teaching parents how to be mindful of how to raise children in a mm. way that you're not completely fucking them up in the first place? <laughs> no, because right. it's like a lot of what you're saying, I'm like, wow, that I don't know. It feels like there's a lot that if people know that skill set as a parent could really help mm help people, the next generation. Mm, mm. You're like, yeah, then, you're like, then I'd be out of a job. So now I'm just kidding. Well, no, no, I mean, I think this is a, this is a growth industry, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that totally I'm in, uh, and I love my job. Um, no, I don't, but I work with a lot of, you know, when I work with private clients, it, it comes a up parents. a lot. Yeah. Because it comes up a lot in the realm of masculine and feminine dynamics, not man, woman, right. But teaching a lot of the women that I'm working with, I'm actually teaching them how to have, you know, what I would call a sacred masculine to tussle with children. Because children are the greatest representation of the feminine um, that I know. Can you for a second, because I... I know we need to unpack that a little bit. I was going to say, and start just simply what when you refer to the feminine and masculine, Mm -hmm. what it means. Because I feel like we all put different things to it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I take this from David Data, who's my teacher, who I've been working with for a long, long time. Um, Everything, everything in the, you know, in all phenomena, there is, there's emptiness, right? There's nothingness. Mm -hmm. And then there's energy nothingness that in inside of us there's a part of us that is unchanging and infinite and then there's a part of us that's always changing mm-hmm. man woman you know uh, however you identify gender wise um the part of us that's never changing that's empty and still and infinite that's the masculine it's yin right i mean we've been it's not new right the part of us that's always changing the part of us that is constantly moving in energy flowing uh, that's the feminine hmm. Nothing represents constant movement and change uh, like children, boys or girls. And so part of what I work with women on a lot and women's group that I do and private clients is how do you take your sac- how do you cultivate your sacred masculine, your capacity to actually hold, be a container for the fem- fem- for energy, let's just call it energy right and um, tussle with it. Right. And and so, yeah, I, I am working with parents, but it's tangentially. I don't actually teach a class on it, but it, it it comes up a lot. But it's so it's so interesting with that description, too, because a lot of times I think where people go to with a feminine is the more emotional, the more ability to listen and process. And like the stereotypical thing with a guy is they want to fix and change it. So but that's not their masculines wanting to fix or change it. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, misunderstanding. So the masculine ultimately in all of us needs nothing. You know, the masculine in all of us needs nothing. The masculine in all of us is complete, exactly empty, free. And the more that we can, you say that, yeah, rest is that sexually. So in a sexual moment, one partner, but the masculine is also about structure. 
right? If, if, if you take quantum physics to its deepest level, it's the emptiness that's holding all of the energy. Right. If you take an atom to its deepest level, it's the space in between the, the quarks, you know, that are actually holding the atom together. And so the masculine is a container, the masculine is a container for energy. And in sex, if you, if you bring that to a sexual moment, the masculine partner, whoever, man or woman, doesn't have to be a man, is holding the structure for the sexuality, and the feminine partner is bringing the energy. And when that can be maximized, right, it's, it, that's when the deepest sexual experiences happen. And training our nervous systems to do that, both women training to, to express energy and conduct love through their bodies, and, and training men to actually hold structure, use breath to circulate energy, be, you know, bring consciousness and presence to sex, those are both yogic trainings. So in the world that's changing constantly, and mm -hmm. especially in the last 10 years, I would say, if not more, 20, um, you probably know more, where women are, I mean, I've said this, I say this all the time, I've been saying it, a lot of boyfriends used to hate this, <laughs> but I used to be like, we don't need you anymore. Exactly. Um, it used don't. to be my thing. It's like, we can have kids by ourselves at this point, mm -hmm. if you're willing to. Mm -hmm. um, we're all kind of kicking ass at jobs, if mm -hmm. you're willing to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're smart, we're strong, we can provide for ourselves. And again, we don't need the reproductive nature. So yeah. what, and so your thing of like providing the space and holding the structure feels like at its essence, the masculine, mm. and again, I, I'm very aware that I'm using very specific roles mm -hmm. and they can be fluid, we know that. So I'm yeah. not, I don't want to insult anybody, but just yeah. for the sake of conversation to be easier. But <clears throat> for the masculine, if they, if it's at its essence, supposed to be kind of holding the space. Mm. And I kind of equate that to like taking care of in a weird way, like mm. pr providing that it's going to go okay in a weird way. Like that's what it feels mm -hmm. like. It's like if the energy is ping ponging and like that's holding the space and mm. guiding it a little bit. Mm. So what happens now that if that's at its essence and kind of the world structure around it has changed so much? Not sure I get the question exactly. Like, are you saying, like, what happens in, in, are you talking about value, like masculine value now? Sure. Um, yes, because yeah. in some ways you're saying the essence of what masculine means is like it holds the structure, it holds the space. Like, well, it's that's the emptiness not all. that holds like all the energy. Well, that's not all of it, but that's kind of at, at its essence if you're going to break everything down to its essence. The more, <laughs> the easy way to think about this is the more still a human being is, the more they're felt as masculine. Like the stiller, the wider, the more they're felt as, as, as masculine. The more in movement and flow a human being is, the more they're felt in feminine. So on that spectrum, you know, you can, and you can choose to play. You should be fluid as a human being. Like right. Men should learn, you know, feminine practice. Women should learn how to meditate and be still. I think it works both ways. But I think the point of your question is really is really a valuable one. Is about it's about what makes a masculine partner valuable. Yeah. And why would you want to be in a relationship with us at all? We're pains in the asses, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're we're weird. We're dense. Um, <laughs> we're weird. We're dense. Um, <laughs> you said it. Yeah. So I can say that stuff about guys. Yeah. So. Um, what makes a masculine partner valuable is that we can feel from the place of rested consciousness, we can feel where you want to go that you can't lead yourself. And then our value is in us leading you there. Even though you can do all of these things by yourself, masculine capacity in women has 
you know, sh- shot through the roof, you're going to be running the planet, thank God, in about 50 <laughs> years. You, there's still a place in your heart, and there's still a place sexually that you can't take yourself. Yeah. And, and, or, and there's also a place relationally. Like there's a place, you know, our, my value as a romantic partner is, is bringing you into, back into your heart back into your essence because no matter what your masculine capacity is in the world, if you are a feminine woman, let's say, you will not be happy living outside of your heart. And a man who can help, or a part, a woman could be a woman, a partner that can help guide you back into your heart is incredibly valuable. Now what's so interesting to me about that, again, if we take it out of like the spiritual context mm-hmm. and look at it just from like what it's appeared to be in society, mm-hmm. like a societal context, I feel like men have definitely gotten closer to that, actually. In some ways, it felt like they were further away from that before. It was very not connected to the heart, not connected to seeing necessarily a woman or a partner for what their essence is. More, You know what I mean? And I feel like, mm-hmm. if anything, now they're starting to become a little bit more aware. Of their own hearts? Of their own hearts, and therefore a woman or mm-hmm. the feminine nature having its own heart as well and what mm-hmm. that means and how it connects. It seemed like uh, contractual is not the right word. I don't know what word I'm trying to say. Before, it felt a little more kind of contractual. It's like together, and you figure out what you're doing. You're more like business partners, and Mm -hmm. you have the kids, and you. And now I feel like survival. Yeah, about survival, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it has taken a a little bit. And maybe part of it is because the woman doesn't necessarily quote unquote need Mm -hmm. a man that way, so they demand a little bit more of an emotional support than Mm. they did before. Does that? Makes sense. I mean, I feel like well, my words. I, I'm seeing it a little. I'm seeing it a little different. Yeah, no, yeah. I know you are, which <laughs> yeah. is why I'm asking the question because yeah. I feel like it doesn't necessarily jive a thousand percent mm. with what you're saying. So please. Well, men, men have spent the, just like women have spent the last fifty, sixty years getting in touch with you know becoming more directional, more clear, de- developing their masculine capacity coming out of the '70s, right? Men have also spent more time, you know, getting in touch with their own hearts, with emotions, yeah. with flow, with you know what I mean, at developing their feminine. So what is what we what we experienced in the eighties and nineties was kind of an overcom and even recently an overcompensation for women who actually had fe- most of them who had feminine essences but had overly developed masculine capacity, mm-hmm. and men who ultimately have masculine essences but have have gotten so flowy let's put it that way yep. that they're not necessarily trustable as a masculine partner. So here we have you know a generation or two of women who are incredibly capable in the workplace but are kind of disconnected from the depth of their heart and men who are at their essence you know clear consciousness and direction but have kind of gotten so sort of fluid that they they've disconnected from their core and these two are trying to relate and so there's a lot of it's it's what I see as a big problem in most of the relationships that I work with so the work that I'm trying to get people into is how do you find out what your essence is? I was going to ask you that question. Yeah, and then you and then you get really deeply, deeply connected to feeling it and then expressing it and honoring it, and you know, that's yogic work and, yep. and awareness work too. And then how do you relate from there? And what you're saying, like in a relationship, it, it, in a heterosexual relationship, it doesn't necessarily have to be the man being the masculine and the woman being the feminine. It oh. could be flipped completely. It totally could. But you're saying... But you do have a, you do have a preference. Most, most hetero and most um, same-sex relationships, one partner or the other has a, well, an area where they feel more comfortable. Do you, and as a, for a relationship to work, do, 
it, for two people, to, does it have to be both of those essences at least, regardless of what the sex is on the outside? You mean do they have to have um, like, opposite like, essences? <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, we're both like... Yeah. <laughs> for um, a relationship to flow, it's most mm. successful. Do the essences, one have to be a feminine essence and one has to be a masculine essence? It's, it's easier. It is easier. And it doesn't, you know, gender does not matter. It can be same-sex right. couples. It can be... And then, and then you both have to get adept at, at being fluid and developing. Ultimately, like, like I said, I, I want to teach women or men who have feminine essences how to deepen in their masculine, how to get weighty, how to get clear, how to get directional as a skill set, right? How to, um, you know, hold space. Holding space just means I'm wrapping my awareness mm -hmm. around around a space or around a situation. That's really all it is, is I'm taking awareness, which is, you know, tends to be a masculine or a meditative trait, and I'm wrapping it around an, a, a situation or a human being. And then I'm also trying to train, you know, women with feminine essences or m men with masculine essences how to, like, how to really be in touch with their hearts, how to really express emotions, how to really communicate vulnerability. And, and once you can get both your... your let's call it your masculine core and your feminine capacity, your feminine core and your masculine capacity, then relating can be super fluid and super fun and you can go back and forth and, you know, and it's, all, and it's you're going back and forth from a place of real um, honoring of the moment. You know, there may be a moment where I'm just falling apart and mm -hmm. emotional as hell and I need you to like guide me into the bath and tell me what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it does it shouldn't be gender specific, but you know But it helps to understand You gotta know to, who you are. For sure. Yeah. In life period. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. makes sense for relationships too, obviously. Yeah. How for you, when did you start doing this work for yourself? In my Before yeah, about twelve years ago. Before it became a career, right? You were yeah, yeah, of course. I, I was just like desperately trying to figure out. I was going to say, why did you to, seek it out for you? Yeah, because my relationships were a mess. You know, I didn't know how to make a woman happy, and I was one of these guys who had a good job and a white picket fence and a daughter and a house in Westwood, and I was a leader in my community, and and I still You're like could, I'm a great catch. I'm, a, I'm like <laughs> I'm the perfect husband, right? And yet, you know, and, and yet you wanted I could, a wife. Like that's what I you was. Wanted. Well, I, I was in. A, I was married. Okay. And she was miserable, and I couldn't love her, and I couldn't figure out how to make her happy, and I couldn't. Did you that know. make you angry? Like, were you angry at her? Did you feel like I'm doing everything? Of course, I was. Of course, I had the typical male response, which is like, I do everything. everything. <laughs> Look at the life I've given us, and blah 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 blah. And it, and and so, when that fell apart, I realized because um, that wasn't the first, right? So right. I realized like, oh shit, I'm actually going to have to figure out how to make relationships artful. But amazing for you that you took a beat to be like, okay, if the same thing keeps happening to me, maybe I have to look inwards. Because a lot of people still keep beating that head up against mm, the wall. Luckily, I had a little awareness. I mean, I've, I've been a Buddhist since I was seven, so I have oh some God, I spiritual training. That. Yeah, Some, since seven. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, a some, I'm somewhat aware. Yeah. So you, you went and you're like, let me figure it out. My relationships are a mess. Mm -hmm. And what did you find, like... Maybe because of your Buddhism background, mm. you didn't necessarily go to therapy right away. You you oh, I tried therapy like most people yeah. do, and most couples end up trying right. And therapy is just incredibly ineffective. I mean, unless you find a great therapist. So there are some great therapists yeah, out course. there. I don't want to I don't want to dump on them, but man, I I see so much 
Uh, anyway, and it, it's my own pet peeve. Yeah, about With therapy. It's just like the people end up screaming at each other. Yeah, it doesn't fix anything. <laughs> they just talk about their issues, right? If I there's not really angrier. a behavioral change or a yogic, let's call it a yogic change, okay. right? That 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 they're talk really about why I know, but I want mm, for the audience mm-hmm. why you what the difference for you is a yogic change versus just a mm. behavioral change. Yeah, well, they they can be related, but a yogic change it requires your nervous system and your body and um, your your physicality change, right? That you actually develop more capacity. So if you use yoga, you know, we do yoga so that we, our bodies become more available and flexible and open. Well, it's the same thing in relationship. Sexual yoga, relational yoga is just about being in relationship, in connection with somebody while opening and stretching and becoming more um, equanimous, get this word yet to have more equanimity well. yeah um <laughs> uh while you're in that space how so you went what was the first thing that you learned in your trainings mm-hmm. that you were like holy shit that actually mm. was a light bulb for you that started shifting the way whatever was started making mm. the shifts for you mm. well i was i was i was coming from ground zero so the first thing <laughs> that really hit me was uh belly breathing really the belly breathing is the key for Belly breathing changed my life. You know, actually, you know, became three-part breath. But but um, but belly breath was the first thing that I was like, wow, I can feel that this. How long did you do it for? Were you just in a thing and they made you? Yeah, I did. I learned the first thing I learned was called three-part breath. It's a Taoist breath, and it's where you breathe into the belly, solar plexus, and chest, and then on the inhale, and then exhale from the chest, the solar plexus, and the belly, and you create this kind of wave up the center column. What did it do for you? Deepened me, changed my voice, um, made me more present, uh, woke up this center column. Like the center column sexually is the most important spot in the body, this place from the throat uh, to the perineum, right, for men and, and, you know, to the cervix for women. And it woke that up and it uh, made me capable of actually feeling more, like my feeling body became much more turned on and I could feel what was happening in you. Um, instead of just living in my own head. So it changed everything. That was so what happened basic. when you started feeling? Mm, well, I could get in touch with my own pleasure, right? And then I could start to feel what was needed in a sexual moment or a relational moment. And I just intuitively knew. Yeah. I just intuitively knew, like, oh, she needs this. Or, oh, she needs that. And then all of a sudden you were like an amazing catch because people were like, oh, he uh, gets my needs. Yeah, and then, I, and then, you know, and then I, there was deeper stuff to work through. But... But yeah, I could I could feel, and I think that's a big problem for men. And I'm going to use men, right? Because men's bodies are still, you know, biologically denser than <laughs> women's bodies. I mean, so it's been a hundred thousand years of evolution, yeah. and only a few years of men actually like moving and opening and all of that. Unless you're in India or China or some parts of Japan, um, but men are denser, you know, neurologically denser, and so yeah, they need they need breath and they need openness and they need movement so that they can feel more and then once they learn to feel more they need clarity of direction and consciousness to know what to do with it and once that happens then yeah they become very valuable as partners and lovers 
You guys, I'm so excited to talk about the next Den Talks Live. It's going to be a panel. And if you have not come to these yet, I strongly suggest that you do. You get a chance to ask your own questions. You always leave with goodies. And they're just a whole lot of fun. This next one's about sex. It's called All the Fields, Mastering Sex and Relationships. We've got three incredible people in their field. Sex with Emily, John Wyland, who just sold out two workshops back-to-back this weekend, and Ryan Weiss. This is going to be Saturday, February 23rd at 7 p.m., I promise you it's going to be fun. It's not going to be weird or uncomfortable. It's going to be a blast. And any questions you have, whether it be about sex, intimacy, or just that guy or girl who won't talk to you, please bring them because that's what this is about. If you're interested, and we really hope you are, please go to dentalkspodcast.com. It's such easy. There's a link there to sign up. Hopefully, we'll see you that Saturday. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but I just wanted to talk about this incredible opportunity. Everyone's always asking how they can do more and be part of the community. So we have this incredible chance to do it. February 16th, Valentine's Day weekend, we're going down to Skid Row with Lunch on Me, Larray Gaston's organization. She's been on the podcast, so check out that episode. And we're going to go to Skid Row, 10 a.m. to volunteer, 1 p.m. for the block party. Let's go. Let's make these people feel seen, heard, and good because that's part of the epidemic, as Lorea tells us. Please go to denmeditation.com. Go to the schedule, and you can sign up for the Lunch on Me event. Hope to see you guys there. It's really going to be amazing. What's your advice for a woman um, on that note of how can you help a man who's denser physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, all of it? How, I mean, how do you help them start to feel more? Like, how can you be support? How can you have the supportive yeah. space? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Um, very practical. Um, <laughs> emote. That's me. <laughs> double what you think is uh, is an expression. By the way, double what you think is genius. Yeah. I love that because yeah. that for me would be key. Yeah. Because I'm always like, I did it. I'm showing like, him that I'm upset. Like, no, 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 no. He's not getting it. He's thinking like, oh, she's a little annoyed. No, your heart's breaking. So like, show him your heart is breaking. Um, and but also, bo- what about on the other side of like being supportive and loving, like double emote? W- both, both. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Like when he does something like that really is touching to you, rather than just give him kind of a yeah, that was great, or thank you, like, like, like you know, jump on him, you know, kiss him a hundred times, you know, let him know like, oh yeah, that was great. And so it's like a blind dog. Like you really have to, it's, it's, it's more like, it's more like, you know, they, you know, again, men in general, but the masculine is single focused. Like we were just evolutionarily trained, you know, trained to be single focused. And so if most Men and and then our physical nervous systems are denser. So you put those two things together, and yeah, we need to like be hit over the head with <laughs> "You're doing great" or "No, that's hurting me." And and a way that women can really help, the way I talk about it is that the more that you express the truth of your heart, whether it's grief or ecstasy or whatever, love, the 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 more powerful you can press that through your body, transmit it through your body the more you will actually evoke conscious presence in him. Which is so interesting because I think a lot of women, I can speak for myself, mm-hmm. in a perfect world, you want the mind reader. Like in the perfect world, yeah. you're like, that, that your soulmate will be someone you don't have to say anything to. Mm-hmm. They'll know. But what yeah. you're saying is a man can maybe eventually get there. Yeah, you can but totally you have him. to help, you have to train them yeah. by actually being super obvious about you, what you need and your emotions and where yeah. you're at, yeah. and then eventually like it could cycle there. There's a su- big caveat here. Please. Without directing him how to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They talk about that. That's yeah. That was it's a huge, huge lesson huge, for me, yeah. by the way, yeah. and I 
And I try and teach it to people because when people ask me, and that's always my thing, is like you have to be honest and you have to be supportive and open, but you can't force anyone to do anything. Well, direct the moment, whoever's holding the directive language in a relational moment is in the masculine, right? And so what most women, I mean, I'm going to say most women Mm -hmm. do is they take the skills they've learned over the last 50 years of, you know, in, in the world and they bring that to their broken heart or their unmet yearning, right? right? And they start to direct the men. How I, I bet half the men who were coming here were directed by their women <laughs> to come. He means the den. Yeah, yeah, the den, yeah. <laughs> so are going to be like, yeah, my woman said I had to come. You know, yeah, and my so, wife told me. Yeah, my yeah, girlfriend wants yeah, it, right? yeah, so... so um, or they're looking to pick up a girl. That's the other thing we get. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll be aware of that then. Um, and so the, the whoever's holding the directional language is holding the masculine. Who's ever holding the expressive language is holding the feminine hmm. in a moment. So if you want to polarize your relationship, if you want your your partner in their masculine, then you have to be expressive. And so um, a great example, a real easy example is like he is, you're at dinner and he's looking at you and if there's a deep connection, then all of a sudden he picks up his phone, right? Um, you could say, well, when you pick up your, pho- your phone, that really hurts me, and I would really appreciate if you didn't do that. Or you could just, like, look at him with, roll like... Your eyes. Pa- yeah, <laughs> you could roll your eyes. You could hide it and then, you know, take it out on him later. Um, or you could just go, ouch. Huh. That's it. Like, just ouch, and then the rest is nonverbal. And you don't think that would... Couldn't that piss some people off? Like, the ouch? How? Why? Why? I mean, you're just saying, like, oh, that hurt. Interesting. Wait, give, give another example. I like um, this. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I'm not a show boy. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's, 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 this is actually really important stuff. So well, let, me, let me frame it this way. When, uh, when you're hurt as a feminine being, it's usually because, in a relational moment, it's usually because he took his awareness off of you. Yeah, you're feeling ignored. You're feeling ignored. Not but seen. Yeah, but basically it's he took consciousness, which is the most valuable masculine commodity, and he took it off you and put it on the TV, right? Or he put it on Reddit, you know? Right. And, and so there's pain, right? And what I want to train women to do is to express that pain primarily non-verbally. So, so what are other ways to express it non-verbally? He's watching TV. You you literally walk in front of the TV and you, because you're over emoting now. You're like amplifying your expression of of hurt, right? You get on your knees, you know, and you look at him in the eyes and you have like tears in your eyes. You're lonely. You're yearning. You're like angry. All of those things, and you just kind of pound on the floor. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you just pound on the floor and make sound and like uh, uh, you know, eventually you are going to be more energetic than the TV is the way my teacher talks about it and he won't be able to ignore it. And so it'll be very clear and you're giving him really clear nonverbal feedback and the deepest feedback, you know. I always say find the deepest emotion and then make it a gift. So if you're hurting because of his lack of presence and awareness, and you, you get in front of the TV and you pound him, pound on the floor. And like, you know, even if you say something like, love me or, you know, I'm here. Like, stop ignoring me. I mean, just one right. sentence. One stop sentence. Stop ignoring me. Um, and ha- show him how much it hurts. You are going to evoke much deeper presence. 
And what if you're with someone who's not ready to do the work? So their response is like, roll the eyes. Oh, this is so annoying. I don't want to do this. Then there's another moment for you to express the depth of your pain. So as a feminine partner, man or woman, you just keep being with, if he rolls his eyes, that's going to hurt more, right? Mm -hmm. So then you just like, there's a deeper expression in the moment. This is why it's a yoga, because it's really about responsiveness of the heart through the body as a commitment to love. Now, what's your opinion? And that's the feminine responsibility, because I think you asked me, like, okay, what's the feminine value? Yeah. That's valuable. No, it's huge. For a man. For, it's valuable to him, because you're training him to be conscious. What I don't think people realize a lot of times in relationships is it is work on both sides. So even if, let's say, you yeah. have a man that you feel like is not conscious yet and not mm. fair, it doesn't mean they're the only ones who have to do the work, which yeah. I think is a common problem. It's like, oh, well, they're the Where ones who don't do... Where are all the conscious men? Right, they don't right. do X, Y, and Z, yeah, so right. it's really up to them to change, otherwise yeah. this relationship's never going to work, and yeah. they don't really... And even though those things are probably very obvious mm -hmm. and probably very true, that doesn't mean... Like what you're saying, which I love, is there's something about how you're reacting mm. or holding the space or guiding them that's also not helping. Yeah. So you're never going to get there if you also don't step up to the plate and you know participate. Yeah. And you have to train... So training your body, the way I would describe it, is very simply train your body to be ultra-responsive to his level of consciousness. Interesting. What do you say to people? Like, what's your opinion on relationships? Do you think... Any relationship in doing the correct work can get there. Like if you took where's two there? People, no, that's a good. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. good point. To us, I guess that depends on the people what it is they want. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I guess my point is, and it's a question. It's not a point. People give up very easily in relationships, mm -hmm. very easily. And by the way, that's not always a bad thing either. Like depends on who you are and where you're at consciously. Right. But do you feel like if people are if everyone is doing the work, like every single person on this planet is doing the work, mm -hmm. and they're super, con we're all super conscious mm -hmm. beings and elevating every single day, could you put any two people together, if the even whatever essence they are, and ultimately if they're consciously doing the work, they would be able to form a successful relationship? Well, again, I think I it depends on what's expressed. Yeah, yeah. I think, the, are you saying like, is there, well, it's karma is part of it, right? And so right. we don't know, you know, you asked about Buddhism, so this is my belief, might not be other people's, but there, I believe we do have karmic, you know, relationship karmas, right? And I think what, where people are getting to is that they're starting to wake up to this idea that the, the, the repeating patterns in our relationships are our karma. Mm -hmm. And that, in that moment where she gets on the floor in front of the TV and shows her heart fully to him, she's breaking a karmic chain. She's not shutting down, going into the room, stewing, you know, dying silently. She's expressing the truth of her heart. In that moment, if she holds that pose, I, will, I would say if she holds it, it might be three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, who knows? It usually doesn't take long. He will get present and conscious. If he doesn't, Fuck him. He's not the right guy. But but most women, at least, since I'm talking about women at this point, don't hold that pose. They'll do it for 30 seconds, and then he rolls his eyes, and then they'll give up. Retreat. No, that's the time to go deeper. That's the time to like show more, and he will pop. He will come out of his thing, <laughs> and he will actually be able to see you, and he'll be there for you if you don't, if you hold the pose. So, so getting people to hold the pose... Works for a masculine partner too. Like if if she's in a crappy mood, 
and you come home and you're like, wow, she's in a really bad mood. Like most guys are trained to avoid that. No, if you look at her and ask her and kind of play with her and, you know, um, project the love in your heart and you're conscious and you're breathing and you're grounded, if you hold that pose, eventually she will, you know, be back in her heart. But we just aren't holding the pose. So the answer to can people... I don't think people are holding the pose. They say they're doing the work. Everybody says, and here in LA, everybody's like, oh, I'm doing the work and he's not showing up or she's not showing up. (laughs) Fuck, I don't think you are. And the work, is hold, hard. the work is holding the pose. Like it's one thing to learn the skill set. Every you know, most guys in West LA can be can eye gaze, right? Right. But can you can you hold consciousness and presence and tussle with someone who's poking at the very wound that oh, crushes yeah. you? I mean, that's that's it right there. Yeah. that's the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so hold the pose. Is the is where I don't think people are there yet. And. That's kind of what I'm doing in the world. And I love when, I like the idea of hold the pose because like you said, it's bringing yoga into relationships. But I like that in some ways that's also uh, like emblematic of don't give up either in the relationship. It's like just because things aren't perfect in this moment, if you hold it and you keep working and going deeper, you could evolve to an amazing space. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, your question about can the relationship work, to me, that's what working means. Right. That each partner evolves into the Together. deepest version of themselves. And Me too. That's and what success yeah, is to me. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they stay together. Right. They may be together for five years. They may have a child. They may not. They may be together six months. It might be, you know, 60 years. It, it, it's really, as long as they're practicing and developing spiritually and developing as human beings and that to me is a successful relationship i say that all the time i have so many friends when they go through breakups that they've been together a long time and it was like a really beautiful relationship i'm like you should be really proud of yourself Mm -hmm. like that was Mm -hmm. great it's just it's time for whatever the next step is yeah i feel like we're really hard on ourselves i mean look people know i have a boyfriend slash husband it's the same name all the time (laughs) but people do ask me and i feel like one of the reasons i am I get a little nervous about the marriage mm-hmm. part, which has nothing to do with him at all. We have a child together. Mm-hmm. Is the words like till death do us part? Right. Because in my mind, I've said I'd have to rewrite all the vows and maybe that's what we'll do one yeah. day. Because I was like, to me, and again, my own beliefs, not anyone else out there, I'm like, we have no fucking clue. Like none of us know. Like yeah. the whole point is like, let's grow together as much as we can right. and get as deep as possible. And hopefully, you know, we're helping each other go to the deepest parts of our souls. Mm-hmm. But then you don't know, like, what might happen tomorrow, two years from now, 20 years from now. That could all change. Yeah. And that's not a silly bad thing. Yeah. No, I think I th- I'm, what I'm trying to, the message I'm trying to put forth is practice deep, deeply. Practice your, you know, practice awareness. Practice your yogic practice. Practice, be, open your body and become aware to that which is wanting to move through you. Yep. God, life, the cosmos. And let that inspire your relationship and your relationship will go to the very deepest place versus this kind of socially constructed place we think our relationship should go. So the answer to what's going to happen in a year is really how's your practice right now? Hmm. Are you breathing? Are you vulnerably expressing your tr- the truth of your heart in your relationship? Are you, um, you know, trying to, are you stepping into leadership if you were the masculine partner in the moment? Are you, you know, you, you know, emoting the truth of your heart if you're the feminine partner in the moment? And are you really, like, 
taking care of your own business in the relationship because there I believe there is a masculine responsibility and a feminine responsibility in the deepest relating moments. Now, if you are doing the work and you go, I mean, you're really going there Mm -hmm. in a spiritual sense. You're saying no matter what, in the spiritual sense, your soul, there's always an essence of one or the other, or does it ever get to the point where, like an enlightenment or whatever, where you go past it and then there's no essence at all? And I'm not saying that we're going to reach like that. masculine essence or feminine yeah. essence. Yeah, yeah. So, so our soul is, in my opinion, is the perfect union of, of yin and yang of both Shiva Shakti, whatever you want to call it, right? So our souls are, of course, just like you could say that God is. Um, latent and manifest. In Buddhism, we say, you know, the mystic law is both latent and manifest, mm-hmm. right? There's death and life. I mean, yes, of course, there's polarity, that we live in a polarity universe. All that I'm saying is that, and this is, again, said by David Data much better than I could, is to create a spiritual moment sexually or relationally, one partner has to relax the masculine and animate the feminine, and one partner has to um, relax the feminine and animate the masculine and then when you come together it is one two bodies one i love that union right that's what sacred union means and so that's the practice and that's that's what makes you know spiritual sexuality in my opinion what do you feel like walks in your door the most like what's the biggest relation like a twofold relationship complaint or problem Mm -hmm. and personal complaint or problem Mm. Because I just find it, you know, there's usually something that's like pervasive that you're like, this yeah. is what I deal with the most. Yeah. Well, I run, I run men's groups. I run a long men's program every year. And uh, I just started a, young, a long women's program, Thank too. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so from the men, I get like, I don't, you know, two things. I don't know how to make her happy. And um, what am I doing with my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? So that's what I get from men, mainly. From women, I, I get like, you know, how do I attract a conscious man, right? And or how do I, you know, make my the man that I'm with give me what I want? Oh, and they're mostly. So I mean, it's the same issue, which I love. It's the same issue, and it's both what you know what David would call first stage. Like, how do I get what I want? And that's the that's the you know the shallowest form of relating and living. How do I get what I want? Um, but that's what I get, you know. And that's and so my job is to say, okay, let's start there, and then let's try to look deeper, and and let's try to look at what your gifts are, because behind every complaint is a desire and beneath every desire is a yearning and that yearning um is a gift and if you can the yoga really if i wanted to oversimplify it would be take your complaint (laughs) take your complaint drop into your body and feel the deepest desire and yearning Right, and then give that to your partner as a gift. Train your body to give that, express that as a gift. Also, I love that. It's basically like, okay, instead of complaining, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. What is it that you need? And express that in a kind and loving way. Yeah, and it occurs to your partner normally as a gift. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. If it's fully expressed, most of us like half express it, and then when we don't get the response we want, go, oh, fuck you, I'm taking my marbles and going home. Right, well, talk yeah. about, because because of all this work you're talking about, which I love, uh, uh, things that come my way a lot, too, are people who have either been cheated on or have mm. cheated, and I'm always the first to say, that doesn't mean your relationship's over at all. Mm. This is just a chance for you guys to decide what is it that you want and talk about what was going wrong and what was missing. And it's actually a beautiful mm. chance if both people are willing, which is the key right there mm. to actually get super deep and 
learn about each other. What's your philosophy on all that? Because on, I do on infidelity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, you're not like go cheat on someone, yeah. or maybe you are. Who knows? No, 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 no. no. I mean, <laughs> I'm joking. But I do think, yeah, I do agree with you that it's a beautiful um, opportunity to learn. I and feel like it's a symbol of a problem. It's not. Well, let me let me give you let me give you something I do run into. Please, um, porn. Okay. Right. You know, most men are watching porn. A lot of women too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but most women consider porn cheating. I don't. But uh, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge. You're thing. right. People get. Right, I get it. Right. So rather than the f- rather than a woman, you know, catching a man watching porn, getting curious, like, oh, what's hot about that? Right. Oh, what what turned you on about that? And then actually like using it in a relation as a way to make art out of the moment. They will feel cheated on, and they'll be like, oh, you know, and, and these guys will be shamed, and they're already shamed enough because they're watching porn, and right. they, you know, shouldn't be because they're bad boys, <laughs> and and then and then it becomes just this horrible spiral. I see that a lot, and that's the moment where I think, you know, and same thing with infidelity. Like, why? What? What was missing? Yeah. What can I do to? And this requires incredible generosity. I mean, this, yes. I'm making it sound. E- it's easy for no, me to say. No, you have yeah, to be it, really oh, willing to to yeah. not it personally I mean yeah. I hate to say it that way but you have to be really willing to see it as a bigger problem of the yeah. relationship not about you yeah on and either side yeah and then you have to decide like okay is this something I can give is the missing nutrient something that I can give that I want to give do I want to dress up like little Bo Peep you know and, and you know <laughs> do I want to like whatever that whatever it works By out the way, to like be. for porn I'm like please give me a few nights <laughs> off. I mean you're like go have at it <laughs> like, Right. Mommy well, gets a nap. <laughs> most 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 women are pretty have a really have I a get pretty it. bad relationship with that. And I'm not saying that men men use porn to numb out and that's not what I'm talking about. And also sometimes I think it's also how they're it's being used. Like if mm-hmm. it's being used instead of going to the life, I could see how that starts mm-hmm. to be taken personally and hurtful mm-hmm. and then it creates a whole chasm. But it's the same question that I think you're bringing, which yeah, is absolutely. which is what to, to constantly be aware of, hey, how could I why would this person want to be in relationship with me at all? Right. I mean, we're at a place in history, for the first time in history, we literally need to, we, we can ask that question. We don't need each other. Men don't need women either, right? You know, there's going to be virtual dolls available with, you know, know. you know, and, and so men are like, I don't need a girlfriend. Up. Yeah, I don't need a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. You can turn off. It's like, stop talking. Yeah, so. <laughs> That'd be the first thing my boyfriend would get. The one that doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're at a place where, we're, where I think it's really healthy for couples to continually self-reflect you know, with ruthless honesty and compassion, you know, why would anybody want to be in a relationship with me? You know, what makes me valuable as a partner? You know, and what makes me valuable? And isn't part of it, I mean, and that is very true, but isn't part of it, whatever the issue is, whether it's infidelity or porn or something else, what is this more of a symbol of a bigger thing that was going on, something mm. missing? Mm. Which I think, like you said, it takes a lot of generosity. Mm. It's really hard if you're the person who feels like they were just shit on. So it's like, how can you actually feel shit on and still take a step above it to be like, okay, but what was wrong that I also was part of? Yeah. Because at that point, you just want to be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But some ways, I'm assuming you're part of whatever is missing. Yeah. Well, usually it's it's twofold. There's two things that happen when there's an infidelity. Either the feminine partner is not being led... Um, penetrated, directed, um, ravished deeply enough, mm-hmm. or the masculine partner is not receiving the kind of energy that really nourishes him. And when you break down in almost all infidelities, That's even porn use, it's those two very, very simple pieces. Either he's not getting the energy he wants, I'm using he, but it doesn't have yeah. to be, and she's not getting 
led and directed and you know, I'm using penetrate because it's a consciousness thing, not no, a physical thing. No, it's very thing, visual, right? actually. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, it. yeah. Penetrated consciously. Um, by the way, as a woman, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, you want them to see in your soul. Yeah, like, you want them to see in your soul, know mm-hmm. what your soul needs, take you there, ravish it, love it, fuck it, lick it. I mean, all of that, Absolutely. right? You know? And if that's not happening, she's going to start to see the men in the, or, you know, the masculine partners in her environment who might be able to do that. And if he's not getting the energy that he craves, you know, maybe he works really hard. Maybe he's like deep in a mission and he needs that. And she's, I see this a lot, and she's thinks she's um, amplifying, but she's really not. And so he feels kind of energetically malnourished. But so-and-so over here is super expressive and super responsive. He's going to turn to that. And yeah. we don't, if we don't, if we can't be compassionate with each other about that tendency, like the tendency to want more energy if I'm a masculine partner. And the more I'm on purpose, the more energy I want and I need. And it's so interesting because it's almost like you have to reset your compassion every day. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens in relationships. There's so much buildup of whether it's anger Mm -hmm. or frustration or sadness, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, that you forget to reset the compassion and make it a fresh start. So that like, even if you think you're emoting, like you said, you're not quite a hundred percent purely emoting. And then they feel it from someone else who doesn't have any of that baggage. So of course they're like, it's a clearer, purer form of it until you pack the bags. (laughs) Well, that's what makes it a yoga. Emoting is actually a yoga. Like there's a certain way that your channels can, you know, there's a certain way that you might moan or sigh or wail or, you know, it can actually be amplified. And your capacity to express love as grief, as rage, as um, ecstasy, as whatever, through your body is a tremendously powerful tool for both. It's a feminine tool, but men should use it. I certainly use it a lot. Women should use it. And, and it, 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 um, it inspires depth. It inspires consciousness. And... Um, and I just think most of us are kind of numb. And so we're not like, f- men aren't fully owning their truth. Like, wow, this is my truth. I can mm-hmm. feel this is my truth. This is where we should go. And women aren't hold, aren't expressing the truth of their heart. Like, this feels good. This doesn't feel, I mean, they're not owning their yeses and their noes. Right. And so you get in a relationship where both people are kind of chronically numb. Yeah. And, you know, that's but what I love about I this. In, hopefully. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. You already have here, so I can only imagine. <laughs> What I love about this, too, is that if you're learning how to do this, like we said, kind of a relationship can be for two years, 20 years, whatever. If you're learning how to do this, uh, uh, take yourself out of the relationship. Mm. It's only going to strengthen you. Like the way you live life in every moment Mm. and every conversation and every interaction is going to come from a more conscious place. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Quick question that's slightly off related. How did a seven-year-old start studying Buddhism? Oh, my, my mother converted to, to Buddhism when I was seven, pulled me out of um, St. Jude's, I think, in Santa Monica, wow, the Catholic school I was at, right? Because I'm Irish, I'm Irish Catholic, and I grew up like that. And she pulled me out, and we're like, okay, we're Buddhist now. And then I just, I learned how to meditate, how to chant. And, and since since then, I've been kind of, I, 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 I study lots of different kinds of Buddhism, so I practice Zen sometimes, I practice Vajrayana, I practice a Nichiren Shoshu Buddhism. I have kind of a, a, a mixed bag of yeah. Buddhist practice, and I love them all. 
So did you ever go back to traditional school or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't homeschooled. I, I, oh, I, I thought that's yeah, what she did. Yeah, I no, she pulled you No, up. but no, no. She put me in a public school and I, you know, and I, I'm basically raised in public schools and in the, in the Los Angeles. And then we went to, in, in high school, I moved to Vegas. You did, yeah, and then so you were a Buddhist in Vegas. I went to high school in Vegas. Yeah. So how was being a Buddhist in Vegas? <laughs> Nobody knew. You know, it's kind of my thing. I had my little altar set up in my room, and I kind of—I mean, a few, my few friends knew, but I wasn't. It's not like I proselytized or anything like that. And uh, even in high school, you meditated every day. No, I had moments where I had I had I had years where I would just you know kind of when no I needed to right where I kind of rejected it. But you know, pretty much I'd say college, high school, I was a little dodgy, but college from college on I've been pretty much a daily meditator and what about your siblings did they stick no. in it no so it just really that's interesting it really it just did. connected with you yeah and your mom did she stick yeah with all it? my mom's been you know Buddhist 50 years wow yeah. that's so interesting and so how much like you were saying earlier like we all have karmic relationships um and that's what we kind of play out mm-hmm. how much of like what your parents relationship or not relationship mm-hmm. was also plays out into how we your smile is hilarious right now all of it all of it i mean all of it and and the more that people can recognize and the most of us are unconscious to that but your parents i mean it's been proven now the harville hendrix books and base and the epigenetic studies and you know i mean like it's it's in our parents relating is in our dna our grandmother's relating is in your dna your grandmother's pain your grandmother's kinks your grandmother's it's in your dna and so yeah we are we are born in with the cards that we're born with and our parents relating um and how they related to us absolutely impacts so the problem is not we all have that Mm -hmm. you know we've all got it so it's like we're all you know in this same boat the problem is, is that most of us are unconscious to it. And the second problem is that most of us are not committed to be a stand of healing for our partner's childhood wounds. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like people don't want to take that responsibility. In some yeah, ways. yeah, especially especially men. They're like, oh, you know, that's her shit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's her stuff. Like, her daddy touched her. I don't want to deal with that. Let me send her to a therapist. Like, no, like, actually, your sex has to be created to help heal that for her. So talk about a few scenarios of like, excuse me, of how people are raised or what their parents' relationship might be that are things that Mm -hmm. your sex with your partner have to be created to help heal. Mm. Okay, so suppose a a girl was not allowed to express her emotion when she was young, like, you know, shut up. Or I I saw this a a couple years ago, little girl, three maybe, with her mom in in a restaurant, and and she was the little girl was crying. And, and, you know, the mother said, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. And the bus boy came up and said, oh, poor baby, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and both of them said, like, oh, fea, que fea. Like, how ugly uh, yeah, you yeah. are for crying. Like, you're so ugly when you cry. Well, chances are that was, I'm sure she's not a bad mom, right? But it's just like, you know, she just didn't want her kid to cry. And, and that was her way. And, of course, she learned it from her mom, right? And... So that little girl is going to grow up and think that when she's emoting, she's ugly. Mm. She's unlovable. Oof, that's a tough one. Yeah, so if I'm her partner, I feel that, and I, and I literally, I try to fuck her so deeply that she cries. And, it's okay. And, it's, and then I love that even more. 
Like, where every time she cries, I, like, start to play with it. Like, oh, my God, I'm getting so turned on when you cry. And, I'm, and I love Sweet. it. It's so beautiful. And, and, I, and I just, and I, and so I literally, I'm her. reprogramming her with my consciousness and my sexuality. Because sexual energy is the most powerful energy, human energy, there is, right? Sexual energy. So sexual energy actually rewires the nervous system, opens the nadis, opens the, you know, the energetic centers. Because when it flows... And this girl now is really is, is being like loved so fiercely when she's crying. It literally rewires her DNA. It changes her karma. It it heals. I love that example though because I feel like that is a very common one. Like not everyone's comfortable letting their mm-hmm. kids emote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, do another one. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do for a boy. Um. So let's say, let's say he's you know he's shamed playing with himself right or he's caught you know he's playing with himself when he's seven or you know what i mean and no 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 don't do that put it away don't touch it well let's say that happens often um then his pleasure right will be um shameful will be shameful so uh, what a what his feminine partner could do is she could you know lay him down like light candles, create a beautiful container, put on music, look into his eyes, like devotionally love him and stroke him for 30 minutes and or an hour and just and just like tell him how, you know, how much she loves his pleasure and how much she loves seeing him in that way and how beautiful his cock. I mean, all of these things like are would heal his relationship to touching himself. Or he could touch himself. I mean, I've got a million of these we could right. kind of work and she could whisper in his ear how amazing. hot he is, how amazing he is, and how much he loves that he does that. And she's then helping him rewire his nervous system to this relationship of shame that's probably, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old. So how hard is it if, like, in, in those examples, you have someone who's clearly a little more conscious and a little more aware that can really help guide the other person. Right. So I'm sure you get this a lot when you get couples that come in. How much harder is it when you have two people who are starting at ground zero? You know, I, you know, it just depends on how willing they are or to take, yeah, to take new information. Like, mo- I, I think most of us want to, that's the kind yeah, of relationship yeah. most of us want, right? Absolutely. Just nobody knows that it's a possibility. It's not that hard. I mean, both of those scenarios are not that hard to set up. Some breath work and some you know, working with your nervous system and some polarity practice, like we're going to do, you know, in a few nights here, um, you know, will get your nervous system ready to deliver that kind of, you know, and then you then you, you make the commitment to be a healing force in your relationship and you make the commitment to create art, art, from each other's um, childhood wounds. And that's how we change karma. That's how we raise consciousness. It's, I mean, everything you've talked about has been so amazing. Thank I have you. one more question because yeah. you were saying how, you know, yes, what, like if you've been shamed and things that you've learned from your parents, mm. but you also said it's in your DNA. So the way your grandmother might have been shamed mm-hmm. or, and I ask this question a lot because my child's adopted. Mm. So what happens like in senses of adoption if something's passed down from generations mm-hmm. and they don't even see it? So mm. it, if it's something that's in their d- DNA, but at least let's yeah. say if it was you, you saw your mom play some of this stuff out. So yeah. you might be able to consciously make some of the connections. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? There's like, a great book on epigenetics. And I think they might answer this question. You know, I, I don't know because I'm not an epigenetic biologist, but but there's a great, great book on epigenetics. Damn, I'm trying to, I can't remember it, but y- you can I'll find books yep. on epigenetics. Um, 
And I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably both, like our DNA. And then, of course, you know, they've proven now. Um, Rhonda Patrick, I think, is the, is, she was on, yeah, she's the, she's the doctoral biologist who studied this, that you can actually, by changing the way you eat, you can actually r- change the genetic marker for obesity wow. over the course of years, right? So th- by behaving and being different around your, you know, let's say you have a marker towards obesity, that marker disappears. Wait, that's amazing. Right? So you're changing your karma, what, like, in your DNA what, level. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You're also, like, you're changing the rest of your lineage. Like, totally. how amazing. Like, you're giving the rest of your lineage a huge and gift. That's, my, that's what I try to tell people. Like, you are changing, you are, by doing this work, you're changing the lineage, your relational lineage, moving forward, and I also believe backwards. I think it works both ways, but that's just me. Um, but you're changing your relationship lineage moving forward. So your kids will not have to have the same hang-ups and the same closures. Like my daughter, my daughter had no, had, was w- wide open in a lot of ways. And, and it's because, I know it's because of the work that, that I did, that she saw me do. We talked about it pretty openly. And, you know, so um, I, I absolutely believe you can change your lineage. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, I feel like that's amazing for so many people. That's enough to motivate people. Like if you're driven by ego, that's enough to yeah. motivate you. <laughs> it's like, look what you get to be. Yeah, but changing the, changing the karmic, you know, the, rela- the karmic relationship, the relationship karma of your children. Come on. I mean, that's that if you're not motivated as a parent. Well, by I feel that, like that's I mean, the yeah. whole reason. I mean, yeah. for me, that was yeah. one of the reasons I want to have kids. I'm like, I want to be able to see who this human is and be able to like help them find the best version of mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm their version not yeah. what i would think the best version is yeah, but yeah. so i i'll i'll just for the parents listening because you asked at the beginning Please, yeah one of the things that i would tell for if you have a feminine child right um and and all children till about eight or nine or feminine. feminine yeah yeah um make their emoting like make it right whatever it like uh, like whatever it is and i know it takes a little extra time and it's inconvenient even if you have to whisk them away, make it right. So give examples of that. Like, what are examples? Because it is hard. I mean, so... Yeah, of course. So does that mean every time they're crying, whining, having a tantrum, it's okay? No. no, no. Well, it is. Yes, it's okay. And you have to do what you have to do. So let's right. say your kid, your seven-year-old, wants to doesn't want to go to bed, and he throws a tantrum, right? So you could be, get in bed, right? Do what I say, right? Which is a lot. Or, or worse, you know, which you also still hear. Or you could, you could lift him up and kiss his neck, and I love, oh my, you know, and you could just really kind of like play with him and get physical with him, like, oh, you're so such a little brat, and blah, 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 but right. we got to go to bed, and you know, but there's nothing but love coming through you, right? While you're directing him into bed, at some point, if you hold that pose, he will stop crying and start giggling, right? And that's when you know, like, okay, you have to go to bed, my love, and you know, and but most of us just don't practice. Reacting that way, I think that's we haven't trained our haven't trained our bodies to react that way. Yeah, that's such a good piece because I try and do that, but even mm-hmm. in you talking, I'm like, oh, I fall short though. Like, like I could definitely do it better there, but I do mm-hmm. really yeah. try because she is a stubborn little kid, which yeah, I yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do do a lot to like divert her with, you know. Yeah, it's it's ha- physicality. The scenario you just said happened the other night, did it? Yeah, and I did pick her up. Um, because I couldn't read to her, do whatever mm-hmm, she wanted, mm-hmm. and I and she was crying, and I did pick her up. I'm like, well, you get your snuggle right now, and she did. She mm-hmm. eventually like leaned her head on mm-hmm, me and stopped, mm-hmm. and then she was fine and went right to bed. Yeah, the, the so physicality is so crucial. That and, and that's uh, man or woman, you're using your masculine, 
right? You're directional and you're blasting them with love, but you're not like, you're still leading them yes. into bed, but you're doing it you from the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have structure and you're still leading them to the place you know they need to go. There's just, the expression of love is so pure that it, 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 it doesn't occur to them as punishment. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge, thank you for that, for mm-hmm. me specifically, and I know other people are going to be so happy for that. Let's do your for you. So these are four okay. quick questions okay. that are four takeaways for the audience. Favorite book? I feel like that's going to be a hard one for you. Mm, uh, Journey to Ixlan by Carlos Castaneda or um, Blue Truth by David Data. So that leads us to an inspirational teacher, yeah, I'm going to guess. <laughs> yeah, both of those guys have been very impactful in my in my training, especially David. I'm so grateful for him as a teacher and what he's taught me, and yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty clear there. That's you're it's you're so lucky to have a teacher like that that yeah. you look up to. I don't I don't feel like everybody always has that. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel very blessed. Yeah. What about favorite documentary or movie? Mm, well, I'm a surfer, so Step into Liquid is the first one that came into my mind. Well, you're an LA boy, yeah, so that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step into Liquid. Um, favorite movie, man. Um, American Beauty. Oh, I love American Beauty. I love that. Yeah. I do too. Yeah, oldie but goodie. Yeah, yeah. I like that you went there. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have a daily practice or do you journal? Yeah, I have a very sp- specific daily practice that includes, you know, breath work, some like a Kundalini routine that I do. Um, I recite a couple sections out of the Lotus Sutra. Um, I usually sit. Um, still for half an hour something like that so it's usually about an hour of practice i do every day i like that it's a combination like i like that you've kind of created your own like lineage for yourself yeah yeah i kind of add a few things and i have and i will i do qigong i'm also been training in martial arts for the last year so i do i do some of that so it really just depends i feel into the morning but the few things i do all the time are pretty pretty consistent and how long is that no hour 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I missed it this morning because I, I overslept. I usually don't do anything till 11 or 12. Jen usually knows. I, I, Oops, I not, sorry. I want the, <laughs> it's okay. I think I, I'll live. You guys, live. if he's off today, it's our fault. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. And you guys, he's not only does he have this incredible event this weekend, but on February 23rd, on Saturday, he's here on a panel speaking mm. about sex and intimacy mm. with also Sex with Emily, who we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, and Ryan Weiss. And so you get a chance to have a Q&A and talk to him even more. And you are just so inspiring. Thank you. And I know so, I opened so with this. And I know it sounds so stupid, but you're so not creepy. And it really <laughs> helps. Thank you. It really does help, mm. I think, ease people into hearing it, wanting to learn it, and wanting to go deeper. Mm. So you are doing such a huge gift. You're creating a huge gift for everyone. I mean, for all of us on both sides. Thank and you. I learned so much Very from this. Kind of you to say. So I know that all of our listeners have just learned so much. Right on. He will be doing a five to 10 minute meditation. So stick around for his personal practice. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Mm. Thank you very much. Place your feet firmly on the floor, or if you're sitting cross-legged, allow your sits bones to be heavy. And the moment that you, whatever part of your body is touching the ground, allow it to feel deep into the earth. Allow it to connect to the magnetism of the earth, this huge rock that we're spinning on and feel down into the earth. So whatever you're touching, whatever part of you is touching the ground, allow it to press down into the earth. And while that's happening, begin to breathe in through your nose. 
deep into your belly if you can, and out through your nose as well. And as you're breathing, I want you to let your body ask for a breath. Don't force it. Um, there's no need to do it in any particular way. You just want to allow your body to ask for an inhale when it needs one, and then let go of it when it's done. Breathing in and out through the nose, maybe your tongue is pressed gently on the roof of your mouth, feeling connected to the earth, feeling heavy, feeling gravity's pull. And allow your breath to just simply calm and soothe the deepest part of your nervous system. Breathing when you want a breath, letting go, just like when you were a baby. There's no strain, there's no stress. Just spend uh, another 30 seconds or so getting really intimate with your own breath, your body's own desire for breath. Feel how the breath flows down the front of your body. Maybe there's some places where it gets a little kinked. No need to make anything happen. Just be intimate. And what if you even looked at your breath as a lover? And allowed this lover to caress the inside of your body that central column of nerves that go behind your heart, from your throat, behind your heart, in front of your spine, down your solar plexus, down into your genitals. Just continue to let your breath be absolutely organic. feeling the earth deep. From this place, I want you to bring your awareness now to your own body. Really knowing that your breath is just gonna be there and nourish you. Take your awareness now and spread it around your body. Maybe you feel the soles of your feet, the back of your knees, the hair on the top of your head your organs, how does your liver feel right now? How about your kidneys? How about the weight of your hands on your legs? Just take a, another 30 seconds to bring all of your awareness to the feeling of your body the physical body, this vehicle that is carrying the deepest you. Scanning your body for any tension. You don't need to change it, but you're just aware of it. Feeling the backs of your calves, the tips of your fingers. Sending a, a 
little blessing to this vehicle that carries you through life. And then spread your awareness now, letting the awareness move from your body into the space around you, kind of like an inky mist emanating from you. You can press your awareness out in 360 degrees above you, around you in the room, and start to feel everything that is not you. Being the chair that you're sitting on, feeling the shape of the room, the desk, the bed, the floor, keep spreading out, emanating out, sort of like a sonic wave in all directions, feeling everything that is not you, the neighborhood, the trees, the other, the other people in the neighborhood, the cars, spreading out into the mountains, into the deserts, into the oceans, keep feeling everything that is not you, feeling out across the planet, into the cosmos, Pressing your awareness out into the, st the densest star, into the black holes, comets, asteroid belts, feeling out, out, infinitely out. Everything that is not you, keep expanding your awareness. Don't lose your breath. Don't lose your connection to the earth, but keep feeling out. Everything that is not you, allow your awareness now to touch it. infinite, and then finally you're going to bring your awareness now to the empty space that holds both you and everything that is not you together, feeling the depth at the core of every atom is emptiness, at the core of everything we think is real and physical is empty space. So bring your awareness now to the empty space that is literally the glue of the universe. Feeling the part of you that is nothing but empty space, feeling the part of the chair you're on that is nothing but empty space. Feeling out into the cosmos now, everything that is empty space, holding the physical universe together. at the base of the densest rock. Everybody that you know, feel deep into the emptiness that holds us together. Maybe wondering what is in there. Is it consciousness, is it God? Feeling the emptiness holding you together for another few moments. And then bring your awareness back to your physical body, the way you're sitting, the feeling of your feet on the ground or your butt in a chair. Allow your body to fill your awareness. Notice if your nervous system feels slightly different. Notice if there's part of you that's more relaxed, either your heartbeat is slower, or your nervous system is humming at a little different pace. And then one last time, feel out into everything that's not you. Blast your awareness out.
across the neighborhood, across the house, across the city, the oceans, the entire planet out into the universe feel out. Feel out, stars dying, stars being born. And then bring your awareness back to the emptiness that is holding the entire universe, including your body, together, feeling deep into stillness, the infinite emptiness. No movement, nothing needs to happen. Complete, whole, and empty. And slowly bringing your awareness last time back into your body, feeling the tips of your fingers, maybe you move them across your legs, across the floor, feeling your body heavy, feeling gravity pull you to the earth. Bring your awareness now to the entire planet, not just the ground you're sitting on or the ground underneath your house, but feel the entire planet. Feel how much weight, density, energy holds you to this planet. Take a deep breath in. Exhaling out. Slowly opening your eyes with a soft gaze. And as you move through the day today, be aware of those three elements, you, not you, and that which holds it all together. Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.